0: It's Truck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. How would you like to join us in creating great conversations that inspire and connect? Patreon is a membership platform that provides a way for creators like us to build relationships and provide exclusive experiences to subscribers or patrons. We have been self-financed since we got off the ground in June of 2016, but in order to continue to fully invest all we can in each episode, reach more listeners, tell more stories, and create more content than ever before, we need your patronage. For more information, please go to patreon.com forward slash above the basement.
1: You come out fratty late to hang out riverside You bring a couple of friends, I bring the good wine And then, I'm That over my tongue I know this isn't a game You're like a holy book, written in a foreign tongue I try to understand, I'll just pull you under And then, you send a smile that I love I'm spinning and get hit
0: Coming out of Berklee College of Music, Ripe has been called many things, from neo-soul to funk pop to jam band. But whatever genre they fall into, their infectious licks, lyrical grooves, and high-energy performances made us immediate fans. We sat with three-sevenths of the band out in Alston, Massachusetts, a week or so after seeing them blow away the crowd at the Paradise. Singer Robbie Wolfson, guitarists Tori Geismar, and John Becker joined us for a conversation about their roots, vision, and the love they have for the fans which is a palpable entity if you have ever been to a ripe show. They are about to embark on a big tour, which includes a stop at the Levitate Music and Arts Festival on July 7th in Marshfield, Massachusetts. Levitate is a community-oriented surf, skate, shop, and apparel line based out of Marshfield, and through the festival they seek to support both local and national musicians. Be sure to grab your tickets and get more information at levitatemusicfestival.com. So here is our conversation with Robbie, Tori, and John from Ripe, recorded at their apartment in Alston, Massachusetts.
2: All right, we're rocking. All right, sorry about that, fellas. Just takes a little bit to get going, but here we are.
3: I'm a little intimidated with you standing.
2: I stood for Charles Haynes. He, he yeah, told us he's a stander,
4: so we've been we've been prepped. If you can just hold a squat for the next twenty five minutes. <laughs> I can. It puts me at ease as well. <laughs> Thanks, right.
3: guys, for having us over. Thanks our for coming. pleasure.
2: Yeah, so we saw this, I guess, the second show, right? It wasn't the first show. It was yeah, the second 19. show at the Paradise. And it was fantastic. We had a great time.
5: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was
2: our goal. That was your goal, specifically. Packed house. You get sold out both nights. And everyone was singing along. Everybody was singing along.
4: That was pretty surreal. First song of the first night was a single that we dropped. About a month ago. Is that the? A uh, little lighter. A little lighter, okay.
2: And. Yeah, just, there you go. Just talk your mouth a little bit more. There you go. You can move uh, it whenever you want. Yeah,
4: no, I, I got it, I think. Yeah. He almost started to sing there. <laughs> yeah, no, immediately put a microphone in front of me and I just start getting my my B game ready. I don't know what I was expecting, but having the first words of the first song be like screamed back at you like they're mad at you was totally disarming in a really awesome way. I'm still getting over the fact that people were singing along to the extent that they were. Had that not happened to you before? I think that certain songs, like I think that Goon Squad and Talk to the Moon often had crowd response fairly early on. The extent to which it went down these two nights at the Paradise blew me away. People were doing yeah. it without any instruction. People were doing it with zero prompting. Like they were just off to the races and doing their own thing, which was crazy.
3: Yeah, they were pumped up. So you could hear a and see them. What about you guys with some of the... Uh, well, all three of you with the, with the instrumental stuff? Because I was over on stage left, I guess, with the horn section a little bit. Well, we kind of yeah. moved around. We I of- can see when I was there... I could see people expecting some of the riffs for sure. I mean,
5: a lot of it is like riff-driven stuff, at least in that corner of the stage. Me, Josh, and Calvin, like specifically with a song like "Little Lighter," that kind of horn hook, like but it but it but
3: I like pseudo join the horn section on you certain
5: did. songs. Oh yeah, um, that's a good example of that one for sure. But
3: I, I thought f- specifically with that one. It was almost as if the guitar was another, like you just said, another horn because you were in unison in some of those
5: lines. We definitely are a little like a, a horn section from time to time which a lot of people have, like friends of mine at least who are musicians, like are like, oh yeah that's a cool thing, like not a lot of people really do that and it definitely makes it interesting in the writing room sometimes trying to figure out like what won't be cheesy when you try and make up for like a saxophone or something else that would fill that slot in a
3: horn section. Yeah, I guess stepping back a little bit, we we are in the ripe abode right now <laughs> or, and, one of uh, two one of the ripe abodes so we're in one of two it's a big band, so you have to have more than one, probably. But there's
2: only two. So the, all the rest of you lived in live in one apartment. Yep.
3: So I'm, oh, in this complex? No, no, no I'm the outlier, slightly adjacent
4: to this complex.
3: Okay, so nearby. Mm-hmm. We're in Austin, Austin Land. Austin yeah. Yeah. Brightland. Cool, ten minute walk. And we have and just introduce ourselves. So who do we have over here? We have Chuck. You don't need to introduce uh,
2: ourselves. Everybody knows who we are. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> it's it's
4: <laughs> Carl and Donnie, right? Yeah Carl right. and Donnie. And Donnie. Right. Chuck, Chuck yeah. and Ronnie for those of us at home.
3: We're really happy that uh, we get to spend time with you guys and right prior to your tour and I know this has been, we were talking off air before, that it's a wild ride and we want to talk about whatever but uh, we, we just got introduced to introduce you guys recently and we hear something really special and I think we started off at the gate talking about how the fans, you're resonating with the fans which is fantastic already and that's what it's all about. is like human beings rather than Facebook shares and things like that. I want to hear that, hear about that perspective. So anyway, thank you guys for having us here.
4: Thanks for having us. Yeah. I guess we can also just say our names for the first few times around. Yeah. See, so yeah. you know, that's what
5: I was thinking. Sure, yeah.
2: uh, and actually, uh, then I'll be able to line up the tracks with who's who when this is because oh. it's all screwed up now. Okay, we cool. figure it out. So object. this will help
5: us on the Pro Tools end as go. well. Yeah, I forget Perfect. we're not like live on the air. We're not live on right. the
4: air.
2: No, this
5: all gets the only the time down. I've had one Excellent. of these microphones Excellent. like set up like this in front of me was live. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, this is not live.
4: But you'll, it'll be live. But you'll fix us. Everybody um, will sign. <laughs> fix it Genius. in post. That's what we say. Go ahead. Introduce oh. yourself. Hi, I'm Robbie. I sing in the band. I think that something that we focus on a lot, and something that you kind of came right out the gate with saying, is the aspect of community at the shows that we play as a part of the music that we make is huge to us. It's unbelievable to have this stuff leave our hands and take root around people that are, you know, ideally using our music to feel something and you know if we're lucky something good and to feel that together and to have that feeling be amplified because it's being felt in so many similar but still nuanced ways by all these different people who are still coming together and kind of lift everybody lifting everybody else up on their shoulders and so the whole thing becomes elevated as like water
1: heart like hunger and like mind feel heart like thunder Starts with white wine Nowhere in daylight I keep you crazy While you keep me upright And we were not surprised to find Each other's eyes responding To the moment all chasing after what we both want to dive Uncharted waters Tomorrow's a whispered promise Until you kill me with goodbye And you keep Yeah Don't be nervous
4: That's what it feels like to me on stage yelling at people as part of that moment. I hope I'm right, Uh, but it's just a crazy thing to watch both us add to our own world and kind of help flesh out on our end what it means to be a part of this community and what it means to, to be a part of ripe as the experience while simultaneously having this stuff kind of get away from us and there are people that come up to us in specific cities that have used our music and built our music into stories in their own lives people are spreading our music because of what it feels like to them rather than specifically what it feels like to us being stamped onto their foreheads and to watch this kind of expand beyond what the seven of us are able to to yell in people's ears is really exciting
2: well said well said all right, thanks, guys. We'll see you later. Yeah, no, good talk. And uh, You're good.
5: Th- thank you for what you said before. That was a pretty nice compliment. <laughs> it's cool to, to see that recognized by other people who also hopefully feel that feeling. Otherwise, perhaps maybe you guys wouldn't be there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. You guys started off in Berkeley. You met pretty early. You met, um, like,
6: your first year, right? Is that right?
3: First week. First week.
2: Yeah. You're all done now. Everybody's done, right? Little Some
6: little of us are graduated and yet somehow didn't graduate but uh, we we all walked okay you all walked.
2: excellent <laughs> good
5: i did actually i did not walk i skipped that all right <laughs> well i just lied so then. um no i graduated
3: i just didn't walk you know i remember meeting guys in college you know my first few weeks too and i'll never forget meeting some core friends i made and, and i played in a band as well but there's something to be said for meeting and connecting but also growing and creating something that's
2: pretty special that you meet the first week yeah. and you're still in the same yeah. band
3: four years later through college
2: which is like all hell breaks loose in college you never know what's happening in college you know it Granted, was... it's
3: a music school yeah. so i mean there's something there that's certainly part of your daily bread but you're still at the end of the day when we look back you guys are in a band like every other band has struggles and they're growing together it was definitely a super organic process so
5: a couple years prior to school A bunch of us, actually, had done the Berkeley five-week program. Like, I remember seeing Robbie at the five weeks, seeing him perform with the Tower of Power ensemble or something where he was playing some Tower of Power. Mm-hmm. I was like, that guy's fucking awesome. He can really sing. But I never said a word word to him, and, and I didn't see him. And I saw Josh around as well. And so Sam and I were living together the first year of Berkeley, and we were within our extended crew that we had just started developing. We were kind of the only ones off campus at that point. So we were throwing a lot of parties, and it all kind of just, like, happened And right from the beginning beginning like probably the first party i think and we like wrote a tune that night tells you kind of a little bit what a berkeley party is like we definitely cycled through a couple different bass players before we found nadav but like uh robbie called josh for the first session we did which was probably a month after we had written that first tune um and then eventually josh like invited calvin and this other saxophone player who's no longer with us in the band um (laughs) He's still, he's still, he's, alive. still alive, but he, he's still alive. He's no longer with Ray. Right. Right.
6: Um, and John, I feel like maybe chime in and like, well, I wasn't the I, first, second guitar player in the band because <laughs> Tori's the first guitar player in the band. But uh, I was roommates with Kevin Basco, and he played guitar in the band before I did. And I firmly believe, I think, half the reason I'm in this band is because I owned a car. So I was friends from day one, but I started as a fan. And then they started getting booked on shows like Pittsburgh and places they needed to drive. And I just figured, like, you know, fuck it, I have a car. Like, let's drive. Let's go have fun. Started that. Then I kind of started managing for a little while, helping out the guys on, on the business end of things. Okay. And then uh, when Kevin decided he wanted to leave the band and go on to do more of his own music and he writing his own learn songs. It's it pretty awesome Well, he kind of trained me, you know, he taught me all the songs and it was a very smooth transition, I, I think, but...
2: But now, were, were you cool. all instrument majors? You were a guitar major or... Well,
6: it's at Berkeley. you have both a principal instrument right. and a major. Okay. So my principal instrument was guitar, but my major was music business. I see. Okay. Yeah, Okay. And how
4: about yourself? I started in production and engineering and then switched tax to something that would let me take a bunch of majors under
5: one major called professional music. Okay. And what about yourself? I did the same thing pretty much for the purpose of being able to pursue ripe at its full capacity, whatever that was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, guitar, obviously. Yeah. And then pro music.
3: So you knew early on, this wasn't year three and four you could tailor your your academic life to fit something that felt the band was feeling good early on
4: i think so there was definitely an element of things just clicked in really quick succession like the songs and finding those first handful of performances so that you can actually be a band that plays in front of people as opposed to a band that exists only in a bedroom or a basement Uh, Those things came kind of naturally to us right out the gate. So we were coming from this weird vantage point of the stuff that is oftentimes difficult, like what does the music sound like and how the hell are you going to play a show, had kind of acquired a momentum of their own fairly early on. And the fact that what it was all coming back to was seven close friends who were on top of everything else in it because they genuinely liked being in the same room and pursuing this creative thing with each other kind of allowed us to immediately buy into the fact that there was some momentum and start to make this a thing that was more and more like what we wanted to do with our lives musically Mm -hmm. i think speaking personally a lot of bands form at berkeley and almost all of them wind up breaking up some of them fairly quickly
2: that's why i was surprised like so early in the game the first week you were there not necessarily the same people in it when you finally left but so I would say it's like, pretty amazing
4: and even like the new people like as John said like he was with us from day one whether or not he happened to be on guitar on day one we're you know we're, it's all it's a work in progress we're figuring these out
2: but I think that <laughs> it's almost like the band was your internship while you're going to school learning all the things you needed to do to get that band going so you work in the music business and production so you you're taking everything that you're doing from day one when you got there and putting it right into the band I mean that's pretty awesome yeah. we
6: actually even had a, a ripe ensemble at Berkeley, which was like for some of your classes um, you do ensembles which is just a band yeah. and you like get together once a week and you perform songs and at the end of the semester you do a performance Mm. so we were able to do kind of a directed study if you will that was the ripe ensemble and
3: it's smart because you guys are all in it for music you form a great band and then at the same time you're killing two birds with one stone yeah it was like let's get college credit for this into your credits and through the school experience did you connect with other growing bands that were feeling it as well or did you guys think that wait a second i think we're some of the only people at Berkeley now that are sticking through this there was
5: definitely a bunch of bands that were kind of forming and happening at the same time like when we first started I think that was a pretty good year for Berkeley. I don't know now a lot of bands like you know formed that year I think Honeysuckle did then too right Honeysuckle Uh, did too
4: Honeysuckle formed as Grey Season two of the members of of Grey Season wound up joining Holly and forming Honeysuckle as like an offshoot of that and then Grey Season folded and Honeysuckle stuck around
5: there was a band called The Interlopers we've got Buddies that are now some of them out in LA and a, b- a bunch of bands, another one called Viva la Hop. And I think they probably stuck around for the longest, in addition to us, in terms of like our era of Berkeley bands.
2: You know, just out of curiosity, I wonder if when you first get to Berkeley, is there kind of a, a little bit of a panic? Like, I got oh, yeah. to get, I got to start playing with people. I got to get a band together. I got to get some kind uh, of project going. What? Is there like, is there like a race
6: to see?
5: I think it's like it's I got a shed. S-H-E-D. Like, hit the shed is yeah. Berkeley term for practice. But I think it, it extends a bit beyond
6: me. I was going to say, at least speaking for myself, I think a lot of people at Berkeley come there with the mentality that you're very talented and you're really good at what you do. And then you come to a place where, every single person is that good at what they do probably better and then you're all of a sudden surrounded by a bunch of super talented people and you kind of go into a state of anxiety about whether you're even doing the thing you should be doing or if you even have a shot because there's so many other people trying to do the exact same thing right and it's kind of frightening in a way yeah i think that's why the retention rate to sophomore year might be like below 50 percent well to that point
2: i went to berkeley for just one year hey. and i did really well i got, I got three nines but the best i've ever done ever in my life and i knew that if i if i went back i remember my guitar teacher i took the test and after we left i, I got an a and he's like, after like, he's like i don't know how you did that how did you get an a last week when we rehearsed for this i was gonna F, i was gonna fail you and you got an a on it and i'm like i think i'm done here <laughs> <laughs> i think that's it i'm not gonna be able to it's not easy to do i just just didn't have the drive you have to have the drive you have to live eat breathe you gotta be crazy yeah you do you do and to your point i got there i'm like the first thing i thought of was like i suck yeah i'm not
3: any good at this yep it's cool to see that no matter what the chops are or how good you guys are you certainly had a artistic style or a vibe you can't teach a vibe in a curriculum. You can't be like, you know, here's this algorithm, you're going to do this, you're going to learn this, you're going to do this and then this vibe is created from these two courses you took and this method and at the end of the day, whether you're in Berkeley or not, you guys have created something that you can't really teach. We saw you guys at the Paradise. I've seen a lot of bands, and it's not just hearing the studio stuff, but it's being in the uh, in the live uh, environment. And yeah, it's the people that come and see you and how they connect with each other that actually says a lot about what your vibe is. And I don't know. I, I have to do more ripe research. Okay, I have to like learn more about you guys because I'm a ripe newbie. But I can I got look your back. Socks now, so. I can look back, and I'm gonna finish with a point in a second. But take your time. I, I can look back in Burlington, Vermont, <laughs> when I started college in '89, and I went to a place called the Front in the Outback and saw a band called Fish also socks you yeah, yeah, got fish socks are on fish oh socks. socks. Boy, oh, yeah and I'm wearing it, ripe socks oh look it, at that we're we, touching we feet we oh, no. oh, this, like, no. this should be like this should
2: be like uh, basketball John. jerseys you trade football jerseys you trade socks
6: at the end of this is that how it works uh, I kind of want to yeah. keep my fish socks but you don't you know, want his socks so. he
2: won't
4: admit to it but they yeah. are his lucky socks a specific purpose
6: those fish socks these are actually made of John Fishman's hair
3: what I was really struck with was it took me back to being a student in burlington and hearing this band for the first time and saying a i'm sold b what the hell is this and c i want to hear this again there wasn't as much what the hell is this with you guys because that's not your vibe thank you (laughs) <laughs> but Fish started off a little more esoteric, of course, you know, with Junta and, you know, this crazy creations that they came up with. But they always had a locking had an underlying as thing, as well. Right? And they had hits that were coming out of the, you know, in the 90s and stuff. Anyway, what I was able to see. <laughs> can, you- I can hear Robbie like
5: in his head being like, welcome, this is a fun." So so anyway, (laughs)
3: what I was really intrigued about was that, just to take the analogy, is that I heard something in the music that was not just classic, quote-unquote, jam band. It had pieces that were certainly scripted, but between that, you could improv. At the end of the day, it also had enough pop sensibility.
4: That's awesome. All seven of us do agree on the danger element of everything really being executed by the seven guys on stage and improvisation being involved in the music we make, Uh, I think all seven band members would immediately say that that's a a core part of what they do.
3: Sorry, you mentioned danger. Say that. What do you mean by that?
4: I think the fact that if you really get it all wrong, the whole thing falls apart. Like there are some bands across genres that will have some things pre-recorded or something set up in a way where it's just going to go off without a hitch so that the show is perfect every time. Uh, The idea that at any point it really is reliant on all seven of us being at the top of our game, really getting every note right. To me, that kind of raises the stakes of what you are connecting with as a fan and as a musician. There just is no aspect of going through the motions because you just need to make sure that you're focused and get it right every time. I guess what I was talking about more is the improvisational nature of what we do being a part of what we do. That said, I think that most people are not the kind of people to see us as a jam band. It's more of a dance core. That is our foundation. And I think that especially in today's day and age where... Fish has gone from being a band performing at the front to a band selling out stadiums or arenas. And I think that people hear rock band that values improvisation and immediately start to move towards, oh, they must be some kind of jam band. Right. And I think that we love a lot of that music and still don't want to necessarily have our identifier be as simple as, oh, they're a jam band.
3: Here's so, the irony, though. Yes. Is that the jam band, even though it can mean a lot of things, the panic crowd... The people that grew up on Dave Matthews that was, you know, some jam element in the, in the 90s. Who are the people that... Uh, Umphreys McGee? Umphreys McGee. These guys are jam band, of course, but some of these fans are going to are gonna Venn Diagram with you. A lot of those people, I think, are going to love you, and they're the ones that want to... We're here you know, to bridge the buy gap. ...buy those albums and, and,
4: and dance. What we are going for feels like a pursuit that, while it is improvisationally minded is not only about the improvisation. There is a to Tori's point of bridging the gap, there is a balance that can be struck between the danger element and the you want to go to every show because at any moment anything really could happen and still trying to craft these like perfect musical moments where they hit you at the absolute gut level of the self because the words are the stuff that you've never said to yourself but have thought for years. The music is crafted at like eliciting an emotional response. Down on your
1: knees. Yes.
4: band that people that liked jam music called a jam band and people that liked Fleetwood Mac said sounded like Fleetwood Mac that would make me really happy well I mean that's I don't
2: consider I mean it's so hard the, the genres right now they're so I mean that Venn diagram it's so hard to nail down if you want to describe certain certain people like Fish. you'd say yeah jam band Grateful Dead things like that but the arrangements on your pieces are so tight and part of it is because of the instrumentation I mean, if you you have your your trombone and your trumpet they do that, you know, whatever they're doing, syncopated. You get two separate guitarists taking different licks. so there's going to be parts where the horn players just kind of put their horns down, dance around, while well, you guys can can jam a little bit. But I don't consider that a jam band.
3: No, they're ingredients. They're, they're simple. are jam ingredients, along with great writing, great songs, great lyrics. There's the elements of of many ingredients. That create this soup of something unique, and the, and the, unique. but the magic of it—we don't mean to keep on kissing you
2: guys' asses here, but <laughs> we, we added, will. We'll edit all this out later.
5: But but it's the it's the making it look easy part. Just kind of circle back to the improv thing, yeah. finding the unique moments within, like making sure you execute the part at the right time. All that stuff that you have to think about while you're on stage, whilst like you know we are having the most fun of our lives not being afraid, honestly, I think, to to show that. And that happened, like, really quickly. Like, we have so much fun, and I think that's part of why everyone else has so much fun. But finding room to improvise within, like, the formula, so to speak, of putting on a show is, I think, part of what contributes to that vibe, and I think it translates to the audience. And
3: Yeah, I mean, some of the best jazz players in the world are the ones that have the – you play the head – you come back to the head in the middle you're in you're just in space and then you come back it's not like it's just free form improv i mean you have to have rules i don't know do you think that that's a something you you try to do i think that
6: free form improv happening between maybe one or two people at a time max is where we generally sit i realize this might sound like i'm a pretentious jam band fan but i think that I wouldn't consider us a jam band because there's not a moment where we're truly like every single person on stage is breaking from the script and all of a sudden we're going to get to some new groove or some new crazy place that like we didn't even know we were about to get to. And I think that's what makes a jam band a jam band is like the fact that you jump in at minute 15 and and you don't realize that it's a tweezer because you can't tell they're not an a anymore and it's major and like what's going on yeah like to me that's what a real jam band does and and we just don't do that i mean it's it's certainly happened but
5: that's as robbie elegantly put it before you know that's not what we're going for this is a fun dance party family vibe we're going to give back as much as we can from what you give us like as a audience member you know, you can see it. You,
2: off, you can see right And when you first get to your website. It's got the, the background video of you guys at the festivals, outdoor oh, festivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it even say? What is it f- was first words when you first get to the website? What does it say? I think it says "ripe." But oh, oh yeah.
5: loading something delicious.
2: Loading something delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Contact Nose, us. But <laughs> yes. then, so once it but once it loads, it just Hi. has <laughs> clips of you guys just dancing on stage and moving around and like certainly the maybe the. The dance moves are improvised, but they are a fantastic dance move. But, um, there's there's a couple of I, I can't help myself. You get an easy taste of what kind of band you you are just in that video. My question out of that is, you know, obviously you guys have, you have the chops, you have the songs, and obviously the awesome dance moves on stage. But what really grabbed Ron and I, looking at the crowd, we're like, look at these people going nuts and singing along. And, you know, we were just discovering you guys. What's the progression from that first week when you guys started playing together and probably playing out getting fans here and there to the paradise where you have a f- whole crowd is singing your songs. Is that just perseverance, just hitting the road and doing that? Was that grassroots reaching out personally? How, how did oh, yeah. that work? The last uh, one.
5: <laughs>
4: so I think in, in terms of growth from the very beginning, I think that it definitely has been somewhat of a road warriors approach of we've gotten to as many markets as we can. And we've pushed our music through people, everything from people that we know to like people that happen to be at shows for the better part of this decade and have been tireless in our efforts to make sure that this music has gotten out there. I also think that as it became apparent that the more of ourselves we were investing in this project and in this band, the more people were responding meaningfully to it. We kind of view that as an opportunity to take more responsibility for, okay, we're actually doing something that seems to be emotionally affecting people and that people seem to like. Why? Why? And how do we go about making that a deeper and like more, I don't know about cathartic, joyful, whatever your word is for just that feeling of release. How do we make that more for people both who've been there since day one and who are also coming into this new thing, unsure of what the rules of the road are for us and what it is to be uh, an audience member at a ripe show.
3: How do you do the why? Do you guys all sit in a room and sometimes have a meeting? This is actually a band meeting. Right here? (laughs) Yeah.
4: So in terms of how we get on the same page, it really is a flat democracy in-house. I like being able to answer the question of like, what are we about and why do we do what we do and why should you listen to us? One of the strengths that we've found as we've been in this game longer and longer has really been more unique than we ever gave it credit for is all seven of us really do feel that we're on the same page to the point where I feel relatively comfortable being represented by any member of the band when a member of the band is asked, like, so what are you guys about? And I think that the fact that our worldview, that our ethos, which Tori whispers in my ear to segue into the album title, but we can get to that in a second. But the fact that our worldview is actually based on the full investment and like total meaningful compromise of seven to toot our own horns, fiercely intelligent, strong-willed, and Good like lucking. on top of their I'm game t- individuals. <laughs> once we got to a point where we were actually talking about ideas both in and out of the musical sphere as a unit that openly that was where we started to see what we'd had up until that point which to oversimplify was a band that brought the party that was a party wherever they went to something that was not quite as simple as that we do have a world that we'd like people to get up to their necks in and we do have things about us that we hope people think of when they think of what ripe is and i think that starting those conversations is like a growth point for a band
3: how often do you have those conversations right now every day every day this is a business oh, so yeah. even though you guys are not just here you know wearing suit and tie and, and making money at a, at a, an office this is a business while
4: still coming from a place of like this is certainly my baby I'd like to speak for the seven of us when I say that this is all seven of ours is baby but yes in terms of the amount of time and focus that we put into it this is this is our jobs as well
3: when you think about entrepreneurs you got to be all in or to be really successful how do you balance that with the art how do you balance that with the writing
6: I mean honestly today we uh, the, the last week has been like pretty crazy for us from a business perspective and we haven't had the chance to rehearse as much as we'd like today we actually just got in the room for like a couple hours and just speaking for myself that was its own weird kind of balance being with the exact same people just under such a different setting where we could just like play our instruments and have fun and we're working on a a new tune right now that felt like its own balance away from the business stuff even though it's the exact same six other guys in the room working on the same project just
5: to add to that you know when we're not on the road we rehearse a lot We definitely set agendas for, like, the weeks. You know, if we have scheduled a certain amount of rehearsals, we'll execute different things at different rehearsals. I can guarantee you that this won't change, but every once in a while, whatever we had on the agenda, just not happening. That's not the vibe. Sometimes, like, we start jamming, and then we'll end up Going for that release, whatever else we need from it. Sometimes that just kind of hap- it just happens on its own. We try and fight it and do what we were gonna do on the, what was on the agenda, but occasionally we just kind of give in to the fact that it might not be what is needed for like our best interest as like seven musicians and artists. Because it's like ripe. It's, it's definitely a sphere. It's definitely like a th- it's a headspace for us most of the time. You know, when we're not mm-hmm. rehearsing, meeting, yeah. or practicing. Yeah. Well, or whatever, you know,
2: the good thing funny. now is now you have you I'm have some folks. That working with you now so you have you have management now mm-hmm. and you have so the PR firm working for you
6: yep.
2: so and when our, it, when our the, agent Jason
6: has been huge your for us yeah
2: so when did, when did all those people come into the fold? Is that, have they been around for a while now?
6: Yeah, well, Jason signed us to Paradigm pretty much right around the same time that we graduated from Berkeley. Okay, and when was that? That was 2015. Okay, so We graduated heard. in May, and I think he signed us in October, November of that same year. So there's got to be a little bit of pressure off on like the business
2: side of it now that you have people who are dedicated to do
6: just that. You would think so. Or is and it, and it yet pressure the-
3: on with the fact that you're signed now. We're not yeah, signed. We're, sorry, oh, sorry, maybe sorry. I shouldn't have been using the word signed. All but right. we, maybe th- I know what you we mean. We have a booking
6: agent at Paradigm. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you're, we're you're, not signed with a label or anything like that. You people
3: that are working on that stuff in a sense for you, but is there more pressure to produce, to go to the next level all the time?
6: I think there's just more stuff that needs done now. Um, we've gotten to a, another level now, and th- that just requires a lot more work and a lot more things that need to be accomplished.
5: I mean, I guess there's a bit of
6: a responsibility
5: in terms of making sure we deliver to our fans. Certain parts of it are not that hard because we love what we do. There but are far but worse jobs. I was going to was gonna say, as far as that like pressure that you were referring to... I think now that we finally have laid down our first record and it's like almost ready for release. Really as soon as we finished recording in Toronto, you know, we knew it was kind of time. It's like let's go, you know, do all these business things that we got to do and make it happen, but as soon as we got home like the fire and the desire that sorry, wasn't supposed to run that everybody <laughs> has, you know, as like musicians and artists, like I think, you know, that's why we wrote almost 15 songs since toronto and it for me personally if that felt like pressure we got to do this it was just like everybody really wants to make music with the other people and like see where this thing's gonna go also from a creative perspective so for me that doesn't feel like pressure because it's just exciting but you might get a different answer from all seven of us I,
4: I agree with you i think that pressure in the sense of and i can only speak for myself when you're seven and everyone's going around the room saying what they want to be when they grow up and it's your turn, and you say, musician. I don't think it's possible to have a full grasp of what that means as an adult in air quotes that is actually doing this relatively self motivated, relatively like nebulous in its definition of what you're even doing day to day
3: job. Or if you're 27. Yeah. Or and if I, you're 50.
4: damn I really was hoping it would get more simple but I think that to Tori's point like we enjoy the absolute living hell out of it and I think that any sort of pressure is just coming with the territory of like we've said that we are these jobs speaking for myself for most of my life I've identified in some way shape or form as a musician and now it's musician with a capital m because that's the career choice we've made and like this is how we will present ourselves to the world as, as humans what this is to us has just grown because we've gotten older the stakes have gotten higher and like being a musician means a different thing than it did when i was 15 the weight of that is is felt sometimes but we're we're all down like we all are still firm in our resolve that this is in fact what we want to do <laughs>
1: of will right to tell self-wise. There ain't no mystery. of
0: Three fellows are great guys, and we'd like to thank Robbie, Tori, and John for sitting with us. We'd also like to thank all the fine people at Press Here Publicity for their help as well. See where you can catch Ripe on their tour and purchase their music at RipeTheBand.com. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Ronnie and myself, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, and remember Boston music, like its history, is unique. Unique.